So just as we were walking in here, Sandy Scott just mentioned to me that he had a patient he wanted to bring up, and I thought you'd be particularly interested. And if you could just briefly present the woman you were telling me about. Yeah, this is a very nice lady. She's 62. I was actually shocked to see her because I took care of her husband five years ago. He died of lung cancer. But she's a nurse at the health department, and she noted a lump in her breast, and she was about two or three months late in getting her yearly mammogram. And needle biopsy revealed invasive ductal cancer. She underwent a mastectomy, and it showed a five-centimeter tumor with two out of 13 lymph nodes positive, ER positive, PR negative, HER2 new positive. Scans were all negative. So, Sandy, what would you be thinking about for this woman? Well, I'm, as you may or may not know, a big proponent of TCH. So, and being the PI with Dennis Lehman on the Beth trial, I think this is certainly the kind of patient that would be eligible for the Beth trial, which is TCH plus or minus bevacizumab, at least in the NSABP and the CIRG group members. And she has a couple of things that would put her at higher risk for having an anthracycline. One is her age being 62. You didn't say what her rejection fraction was, was normal. It's normal. It's like low normal or? No, it's perfectly normal. Like 60% or something like that. So the other group of patients that have higher risk of having cardiac toxicity with an anthracycline followed by Herceptin would be those women that had low normal ejection fractions, either at baseline or after AC. So she doesn't fall into that category. The other group that would have higher risk would be those that had hypertension. So we found that in NSABP B31, and Edith Perez also found it in the 9831 study. So my view is that the 006 data supports the TCH regimen, and I use it routinely for practice if she, for example, had said she didn't want to go on either the Beth trial or I don't know if you have Alto or one of the trials open. Because she I, had five or ten positive nodes, still okay with TCH? Definitely. Mm-hmm. So Cliff, how would you be thinking through non-protocol and protocol options for this lady? Well, I just want to, the second question first, I'm not all clear. What People often ask this business about node status and whether a higher number drives you one way or the other, and I don't see that. But, of course, we have piloted now in hundreds of patients in several clinical trials, dose-dense AC, paclitaxel, trastuzumab, and then I mentioned with trastuzumab lapatinib. And if she has a normal ejection fraction, there's below a 1% risk of a problem. So I would go in the direction of dose-dense AC and then paclitaxel, trastuzumab for this patient. So how would you feel about if it were available or you were participating, her going on the BEV trial and getting TCH plus or minus BEV? I'm very strongly supportive. Uh, clinical trials, in my mind, always take precedence. But of course, we would consider Alto and others. Okay, so we presented her to the Beth trial, and she enrolled on it, and she actually just started, and she was randomized to the Avastin arm. How did she respond to the idea of being on a study? She loved it. We participate in clinical research, and I have the worst luck in the world. I screen a thousand patients to get one to go on trials. They always have like a .003 melanoma removed four and a half years ago. They can't go on trial, but But this one is easy to present because you just present TCH and then you say, by the way, are you interested in this? And, you know, her being a nurse, she loved it. It was just really suited her intellectually. And also, she didn't seem like the kind of person that would get very upset with not being randomized to the Avastin. You know, there's always those people that say, if I get the good stuff, I'm going to stay on it. And if I don't, I'm going to get off. And she was willing to, you know. So, Sandy, you're the PI on that study. Can you talk about sort of the background or why it's being done? Well, it's really based on the work that Dennis Lehman and Mark Pegram did in the laboratory initially 
as you all know, they looked at the synergy between the different chemotherapy drugs and devised the TCH regimen, and everyone got up and was really adamant that this was really unethical to do this, to give patients a non-anthracycline-containing regimen, as you know. And, and the results come out showing that TCH is very effective, significantly better than the non-Herceptin-containing arms. So with that background, and then the data looking at the levels of VEGF and HER2 and tumors in a large group of tumors of about 600 tumors, finding that those patients, tumors who had a high VEGF level and HER2 amplification had the worst prognosis, and then doing some laboratory data showing the combination was beneficial. It was really based on that that Mark Pegram did the phase one, then phase two study with a combination of bevacizumab and trastuzumab. And he, Mark, presented it about a year or so ago at San Antonio, showing a very high response rate with just two monoclonal antibodies and not any chemotherapy. The caveat was in the presentation, and I've seen the data too, though it's not published yet, there were about 13 patients who had cardiac toxicity, but most of it was a grade one, meaning just a minor decrease in the rejection fraction. So of course, taking it forward, we were very concerned about doing that in patients who were very healthy. So that's the background for the Beth trial. And we felt very strongly in the NSABP, or I did, and convinced the group, which wasn't hard. And then CIRG obviously was coming from the viewpoint of using a non-anthracycline-containing regimen. So we decided to join forces and do the study. And I guess there are some safety data now in the adjuvant setting that were reported at San Antonio looking at that. Right. As I said, we were concerned about cardiac toxicity. So in the clinical trial, we do have stopping points and analyses at certain several hundred patients to look at cardiac endpoints to make sure that things are all okay there. And Denise Yardley presented at San Antonio a group of about 30-some patients who got TCH with bevacizumab, and they had one patient who had heart failure, and they looked at ejection fraction. Most of the patients did not have a drop in their ejection fraction. So it's it's probably not going to be zero when you're using a drug like bevacizumab where you have hypertension as a side effect increased afterload and things like that. So our recommendation is to really, really, really very critically look at blood pressures and treat it aggressively and use the guidelines and get the blood pressures to normal in patients. How aggressive are you, Cliff, about looking at blood pressures of people on bevacizumab in general? Well, in general, we're treating patients with metastatic disease where the long-term consequences are probably far less. That said, we have strict guidelines institutionally. We can't give BEV on a given day if the blood pressures are above set thresholds. So that, of course, enforces stringent monitoring. What are the thresholds? Well, I'm not making law here. I believe that we can't dose a drug if it's above 140 or over 90. Alan? Wouldn't Cliff, if you could speak a little more to the issue of the anthracycline-related cardiac toxicity. My understanding for the cardiologist is the concerns are that even if you don't see a drop in ejection fraction, you can have diastolic dysfunction, which you won't pick up. And even if the short-term cardiac toxicity is small, you don't know what's going to happen long-term. There may be long-term subtle cardiac dysfunction. You want to yeah. say anything about that? Well, those are all you know, good points. I always start with, again, Mike Ewer, who we talked about before. He's made the point that there are no patients that he knows of in America or anywhere who are on the transplant list having gotten trastuzumab-based therapy. So the cardiac toxicity related to trastuzumab, transplant for hearts, does not appear to be as Maybe it's so acute that nobody gets to the transplant list. But, but Although I remember there was a slide presented at ASCO a couple of years ago, and I think 5% of heart transplants are thought to be related to post 
anthracycline. Anthracycline. I was talking about the trastuzumab. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just saying that actually people do get cardiac transplants because of chemo. I'm sure that that's true. So the second thing is, of course, anthracyclines were a very important advance in the 70s. And to walk away from them, one has to have some other broad impact on breast cancer that's equivalent or greater. And in the HER2 positive, the argument is that TCH represents that. But that's actually a relatively small cohort of the patients that we treat. Can I just make a couple points to your question, because I think they're really important questions. And I think that we all know using anthracyclines, even using one dose, you're going to have myocardial necrosis, because that's what it will do. And I was just down at MD Anderson giving grand rounds, cardiology grand rounds, because they're so interested in this area. And Dr. Lenahan has done a small study where he addresses the question that you're talking about, because we know that ejection fraction by echo or MUGA is really a very poor indicator of heart function. I mean, we do it, but it has never been shown to predict, and I published some data on that years ago with Mike Ewer, and it really didn't predict the patients who were going to get heart failure. What Dr. Lenahan did in about a group of 100 patients was looked at BNP, and he feels extremely strongly that BNP predicts much more significantly, which patients are going to have problems with their cardiac function. So he's done this small study, and now he's going to do a large national study where they're going to look at BMP before each cycle of chemotherapy and then try to come up with some guidelines as to who should or shouldn't continue with their anthracyclines. So we have blinded data with this and other cardiac markers from our adjuvant BEV pilot studies. We just don't have the data back yet. And so I agree. I mean, in the end, it'd be ideal to be able to weed out those patients who do and don't benefit from this. One other point to just make is when it's all said and done, the anthracyclines still represent cheap, broadly available therapy. And so there are some issues here that extend beyond the long-term theoretical risk. The other study I think that's important also from MD Anderson is the Pinder study, which looked at the Medicare database. I don't know if you're familiar with that, showing in several thousand women. Of course, this is retrospective data looking at diagnoses by the Medicare database, but they found in women, I think it was 65 to 70, who had an anthracycline as adjuvant treatment versus those who had a non-anthracycline or did not have adjuvant treatment, and about an absolute increase of 9% of heart failure diagnoses. Now, that could you know, be biased because people knew they got anthracycline, so maybe they're more likely to give that diagnosis, but at least they did come in with the symptoms of that you could make heart failure. So I think it's a really important study. And something we all are thinking more about now that our patients are being cured is to really think ahead in the next 10 or 20 years as to what we're doing to the patients. And that's why I'm one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this, because I think we really need to decrease toxicity long term so as for the, we're curing our patients. For the HER2 normals and for the positives in CLGB, there's a trial that gives four doses of paclitaxel versus four doses of AC. 40-something hundred patient randomized trial, and it's prospective and randomized, and it will actually get at the efficacy question and maybe give us comfort that we could go to a cheap generic taxane for a large number of patients. Well, we already have the TC versus AC data showing a benefit over AC, so we do have some data too.